This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. Detroit poet Jessica Caremore is a force in the world of poetry and of storytelling. Now she has a new book about the experiences of black women in America, and she offers a defiant stance against misogyny, criminalization, bigotry, sexual assault, and other attacks. She had a number of events scheduled here in Detroit this week to coincide with the debut of this book, but the spread of coronavirus has canceled those events. So she is holding a digital event on her Instagram account. Jessica Caramore joins us now to talk good. about her book and these events. Jessica, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, good morning, Stephen. So good to be on. I wish I was in the studio. I know, I do too. But, <laughs> but we're appropriate. Yeah. We're exercising appropriate social distancing here. Aren't and, we? Yeah, yeah and doing what we must. You know, it's it's been really deep. You know, as an I mean, this is such a big deal for me, for my first book to be coming out on HarperCollins, I'm a Stod. It's, you know, as you know, I've been a book publisher for many years mm-hmm. and publishing other poets like Saul Williams and Danny Simmons and Asha Bandeli and Raz Baraka. And it's taking care of black poets, right, and their voices um, the way that we must. But deciding to, you know, go with a larger press for this collection because the collection is such an important piece of writing for me. It's not, to me, my strongest collection of poems. And um, yeah, so it's it's bittersweet, but I've gotten calmed down. I mean, <laughs> if you keep doing the numbers of all the canceled gigs, I mean, all of my independent artist friends, I just want to send in some like love via your airwaves because yeah. we're really suffering right now. There's There's no relief, you know, for someone that is the business. Like I am my own small business. Um, I don't have another job. Right. And so when gigs are canceled, like all of my shows for uh, March and April takes care of me until the fall um, so that I can live through the summer. Right. So it's scary, you know, but um, I'm still being optimistic. I am going live on Instagram for my first time. Okay. <laughs> I never do that. I've never done that either. That's why that's why I, I, I want to ask you about that idea. Yes. Uh, this Instagram event. Tell us, tell us about that. Well, you know, I just decided that you know, t- first of all, the book comes out March thirty first. That's mm-hmm. when it's actually in store, so mm-hmm. people can pre order the book. But Detroit, I wanted Detroit to have the book first. So Charles H. Wright was hosting the book launch with Michelle Riley, and lots of special guests were coming. And I wanted to still do something special, especially for Detroit. Um, lots of people had paid already. They bought the ticket, which came with the book. So, you know, if you bought the ticket, you'll still get a book. But I wanted to at least share. I mean, I was so excited tonight to like share from the book for the first time mm. to the Detroit community. So tonight I'll be on Instagram Live for my first time. I'm a very I'm novice at it. I'm going to be live <laughs> from my living room. Um, I may have a couple special guests. I've asked Kenny Watson and a couple of my musician friends if they'll join me. Maybe just because you can actually on Instagram Live, you can bring other people into your space. Mm. Um, and so that's what artists we saw in Italy are so beautifully doing, like figuring out ways. Artists are figuring out ways to share space and give energy to people because that's what we do, you know. And so seven o'clock, I'm going to go live on Instagram. I'm going to see if I can hook it up to Facebook. Right now, Instagram is where I have the most traffic, so that's where I'm going. And um, and I'm looking like down the line to see how we can do some live streaming events from Detroit um, through other people, you know, like other spaces, maybe like the DSO or Music Town that has doing some live from the living room things now over there at Hockey Town. So trying to figure out ways for us to kind of stay alive yeah. because this is our heart, you know, this is what we do. 
And um, without it, you kind of go stir crazy. I was going to say, I mean, you know, the, the the power of art at times like this is yeah. really palpable, obviously. Yeah. And, and it's it's what a lot of people will need to get through, especially the isolation that, that we're going to experience. Oh, but, but, but it also matters for the artists themselves, right? It's not just yeah. those of us who, who consume that art. It's, it's yeah. the people who make it, who need, who need it now more than yeah. ever. Yeah. And we need people and we, I really, I, I need audiences, you know, and that's the scary part. You know, when they're talking about social distancing, we're like, everything I do is about the opposite <laughs> of social distancing. It's about how can I touch my people? How can I touch people? How can I, you know, so I don't know what I'm going to feel like tonight, if that's going to make me feel like I did something or I touched people. But um, I know that words have power. And even through this virtual reality that we're going to have to walk into for the next, hopefully just the next few weeks, um, I'm hoping that things get better. Yeah. You know, in April, they'll it's National Poetry Month in April, you know, it's like, come on. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we can't skip the whole yeah. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And I've got this, you know, you know, wonderful 13-year-old son. So, I mean, I'm managing motherhood through, through it all as well, you know, and getting ready for my son to, you know, do Google Classroom and, mm. you know, figure out ways <laughs> to keep a 13-year-old. Not, you know, making sure that he can find things to do with his mind. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a real creative time. I think a lot of things from artists are going to come out of this moment. You know, um, some of us are kind of trying to make light of it, making kind of songs about coronavirus. Like, just, you know, trying to make some kind of like some creative uh, I don't know. It's it's like some medicine to make sure that we get through this together. Yeah. Because if you really stop and and think about it, you're you're really you could be traumatized by the reality of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't really seem real. I feel like we're in a movie of it, some sort. It, it really does. I mean, when you get up in the morning and go out to wherever you have to go at this point, yeah, and, yeah. and everything is so empty and everything is so quiet, it really does seem like you're. You're on a movie set. I, I, I want to talk about this book, uh, yeah. this collection of, of poems. It looks yeah. at the ways that women of color are victimized mm. in this country. Was there yeah. something specific that inspired you to write this collection? Well, or just? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, We Want Our Bodies Back. The title of the book is dedicated to Sandra Bland. Mm. And so mm-hmm. um, that's the title poem of the book. And that, that poem um, that is one of my favorite poems I've ever written. It's really written in a... It's almost like a rant where it's just like you're, it's a prayer. Um, you know, it's a, it's a healing. It's a, it's a frustration. It's me, a kind of a culmination of me just being tired of black women's bodies um, being killed um, quietly in this country. Mm-hmm. And because Sandra Bland, you know, her, she sacrificed, you know, I'd say for, for, for the movement, you know, like she, died in such a horrible way, you know, for a traffic stop. And I looked at her, her videos and she just reminded me of myself. She reminded me of so many of my girlfriends when they're pulled over by the cops for nothing. When you're so tired of being treated like, you know, an animal in your own country, being treated less than being treated, being paid differently. Um, all the things that happen to women in this country and particularly what happens to black women. And um, so it's a, it's not, and I said I saw someone describe it as one magazine saying, um, "Black, um, we want our bodies back." Is you know, at telling men what not to do, and it's really not about men at all. It's really just about me saying, "You can't have my son." Mm. It's about me saying, you know, I, I'm my son's first teacher. It's really like a book, you know, about you know, revolutionary mothering. You know, a lot of the poems are about like the thing, my approach to taking care of King. You know, in these very 
um, interesting times politically. You know, mm-hmm. he he was a Trump, uh, he was a, a Obama baby. All he knew was a black president for the first eight years of his life, mm-hmm. and then Donald Trump came in office, and everything changed. And he was he was terrified with the change, and so. Um, just saying that we, I'm taking control of my life, my body. I have right to my my imagination, and and that I'm going to build a world, you know, of safe space um, for women and girls. Yeah. And and so and so it's just about self love. It's about self empowerment. I mean, a lot of the poems are some of them are just about my childhood, and it's also about protecting our boys. It's not just about girls. I have poems um, for Eric. Um, Gardner, I have poems from Mike Brown. I was on the, on the ground in Ferguson, so the poem I wrote, I Can't Breathe, um, mm-hmm. is about me coming home from Ferguson after being there with Rosa Clemente and Talib Kweli and having AR-15s at my back on the ground, you know, being a mother doing that, being a poet doing that, um, you know, in the same way that Sonia Sanchez and um, and other poets, you know, Mary Baraka and, and, and poets that came before me did it as well, who fought, you know, for Black Studies departments and so I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing, and my voice is very much a black woman's voice. I think for women in general, mm-hmm. you know, I think that any women, uh, black, brown, white, poor, whatever, disenfranchised, are all um, fighting for their for their lives sometimes in this country, um, for their sanity. Um, it's a lot, you know, and I'm fighting for, for my city in this book. You know, I have a poem called Where Are the People that is about the Cass Corridor, mm. you know, that has been renamed Midtown. It's about the people that I, you know, used to see on the street that I don't see anymore, you know, because I think everybody makes up community. I don't think just the people who could afford to buy a house make up community, right? Sure. I think, like, the people who can't afford to buy the house, the people who are military. My father was, uh, you know, an Army man, retired, you know, um, was actually in the Korean War. My father was much older than my mother. Mm. And so would have been 96 this year. And so, you know, a military vet, you know, he was in that veteran hospital back in the day in Dearborn. Like, he's in so... You know, do we care about our mentally ill? Do we care about our veterans? And, like, all these people make up community, and that's what makes Detroit great, is that we have this mix, this, mass, mass, you know, mash pit of different types of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, yeah. um, different cultures, you know. Because um, we always say Detroit is very black and white. Detroit has, like, the you know, largest Arab population outside of the Middle East, and right there in Dearborn, which is an extension of Detroit, really. And... Um, and and also, you know, our beautiful um, Mexican community that's here sure. in Southwest. Like, it's very important that we acknowledge that these people are among us. This is our community. Yeah. Um, so we're more. This colorful. is our this is our city, right? That's yeah. right. You yeah. know, and so so some of the poems are that, and I've written, you know, there's, there's poems about the migration of um, our people from the south um, to come north to build mm-hmm. um, cities like Detroit. You know, but and it's also you know you don't you write a book and you don't realize all the homages, but you know there's homages to Ozzie Davis and Ruby D mm-hmm. to um, Gwendolyn Brooks to Sonia Sanchez, a poem I wrote for her on her 80th birthday. Um, and these are women who've been really taking care of me in a hands-on way, some of them. You know, like Sonia's been very, very important for me my yeah. entire career. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I want to make sure that we tell people how to join your Instagram event tonight before we <laughs> run out of time here. I, I, hope, I hope I'm saying the right thing. <laughs> but I say just follow me on Instagram, first of all. Just Jessica Caremore, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-C-A-R-E-M-O-O-R. Mm-hmm. Jessica Caremore. I'm riding a horse in the picture. You can't miss it. Yes. And I think you should, when you do, I go live and you can just literally, I mean, most, most of the young people who are on Instagram, they know. You can just join the join the live feed. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty simple to join. And I want to encourage people to please pre-order the book because I can't 
go anywhere. That's right. Can't go anywhere to promote it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. So please buy the books on Amazon.com or wherever you want to buy a book from. Um, you can order from source booksellers locally. Um, if you want to support an independent yeah. black woman bookstore. Yeah. Um, no great yeah. bookstore. Uh, Jessica, as always, great to have yeah. you here with us. Thanks for Thank being you. here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hope yeah. to see you tonight on Instagram. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. All right. That's going to do it for us. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.